welcome. Welcome. We're not gonna, yeah, this is this is still a little off-putting, like seeing our faces <laughs> as yeah, opposed to just weird, having yeah. recorded voices. Um, welcome to the Anxious and Austin podcast. Yeah. Or Anxious in Austin, Anxious in Australia podcast. Anxious in Austin and Australia podcast and I a video podcast. I, video I don't know cast. if there's a different name for that. <laughs> um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout. Yeah, I still um, work at the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin <laughs> here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> and I am Dr. Thomas Smithyman. I no longer work there. Um, <laughs> But but I'm still working, you know, in general, <laughs> just uh, just not there. <laughs> so you know it's weird because we we're doing this uh, the Skype thing, so our, our images are split for the mm-hmm. recording, um, yeah. so that so that if people watch a video, it's not like just all of me and you in the little corner, or or all of you and me in the little corner. Yes, yes. Um, though. I'd probably be more comfortable if that was there. I know, I'm I staring directly at you. I'm not looking so, at yeah, so I was going to say, like, <laughs> I'm doing this and I'm like, I know that I'm there in a mirror <laughs> and I wish I couldn't see it. And I'm trying to just look at you and ignore that there's a picture of me over here. Yes, I may put a piece of paper up over my own face. I actually was thinking that. I'm like, can I put a bit of paper oh, there? No, no. Up? I'd have to yeah. put it like. Maybe for next time I'll, like, come yeah. up with some sort of contraption where I can cover myself up because it's. Really weird to be talking yeah. with somebody and have a mirror of yourself mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's not our focus today. No. <laughs> Self, although. Self-focused attention, self-consciousness. Although a good exposure, right, for any kind of performance anxiety, being able to watch totally. yourself talk and give speeches. Mm. Well, I mean, but, I'm in two minds because one, I mean, it would be exposure. Yeah. One hand, on the other hand, it's training you to focus your attention on this, and you want to train your attention to be on the other person and not at all monitoring you. So sure, yeah, I'm I'm in two minds about that as an exercise. I I actually have people when I'm doing social anxiety stuff like online treatment, I have people cover up their picture, like erase it or cover it up, so they hmm. don't get trained to be observing themselves. Sure. I'm thinking more of how we use it when, like, there's a belief that I look, you know, it's so obvious that I look so anxious when I'm giving this or I, you know, I'm coming across as I look so, like I don't know what I'm talking about and all these so pieces. Getting like, realistic self-image yeah, yeah. versus what's... a skewed negative self-image. Mm-hmm. Great. Yes. Yeah. Um, so our topic for today. When we yeah. Talk about Something what entirely we, different. What we, <laughs> totally different. <laughs> Um, what we're talking about today is self-care and burnout. Yeah. Which is um, fascinating. I, guess I, was, I was thinking of it as burnout and self-care, but you're thinking of self-care and burnout. What's the difference? I don't know. I, get, I guess the emphasis. Yeah. You, you think the emphasis is on burnout? I, I, had, I had assumed it was. I didn't, I didn't do any research on self-care. <laughs> just did research on burnout. Oh, I did research on self-care. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. What a great conversation we're going to have then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah. and something you had pointed out was yeah. the timeliness of the topic, just it, which is a complete coincidence, right, mm-hmm. that we decided to do this talk. Um, and you had said that there had been this article that I didn't read but heard about published on... Um, Millennials and burnout, and so yeah, pretty yeah. timely. It was, it, it was it was a little yeah. It was pretty random. I, I was not. I was just going to go start my Google Scholar research, and uh, that showed up. That um, and it showed up in a whole bunch of other ones, like as like a news related topic as well, and it's. Unplanned, so I have no idea what the person's name was, <laughs> but they wrote an article about uh, basically saying that millennials are the burnout generation. That the, yeah. So I mean, I, I think the argument was that the the culture that millennials find themselves in, um, both with sort of technology and the economic setup and what they've been grown up with, uh, what, what they've grown up with with the um, dot com. Bursting of the bubble, and then the um, the 
great recession or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, that growing up in that plus all the technology has meant that millennials are burnt out because they don't have stable easy secure jobs for life and they're trying to cobble mm. together jobs so her argument was therefore millennials are burnt out because they're always have to always work and that there's no rest and recuperation and the the instagram culture idea of like i must be I must have this amazing kind of life all the time, puts a ton of pressure on people, even outside of um, like work life to still yeah. be on. There's still this pressure. Yes. So, so that's, that, that was her argument. Something oh. along those lines. Fascinating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yes, I think like, um, right from like a perfectionistic standpoint, yes, that I need to have. Yeah. They didn't mention perfectionism, but yeah, it it, it was underlying that there was an undercurrent of perfectionism in in her article. Yes, or that all or nothing, right? Like I can't Mm -hmm. have like a middle ground Instagram feed. It's got to be like amazing Mm -hmm. and really high standard. Um, And the more pressure I put on myself to have that, the more I want to avoid and burn out and... um, Mm -hmm feel overwhelmed and stressed so either I'm like yeah doing this great thing or I'm completely totally done yeah I I think I think there's totally an undercurrent of that to it of the having these really high standards performance standards and everything must be a certain way and I must do all of these different things and I think that there is that yeah that perfectionistic performance levels I'm curious, since you mm-hmm. um, have a different cultural view, like, is mm-hmm. this problem, I don't, I don't know the answer to this, is this problem more of an American problem where we are not great at the idea of, like, that downtime and self-care is the thing that fuels you to keep going, right? We take this very mm-hmm. short-term approach of, like, do it all right now, be the best, you know, all in, go big or go home kind of thing. Um Maximize. Like, yes. Yeah. Versus yes. That, like like self-care and downtime are all things that rejuvenate you and give you more energy to actually keep going in the long run. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think there's no question that that's the case. You all think that about <laughs> us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you yeah, representing the, every other culture. Yeah. Representing the, the, the other, other countries. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely an American thing. The overwork the pride in, in overworking yeah. and the idea of you must always be going, you know, like even I remember when I first was working with like college students, right? There was a, this idea of you can't rest, you can't have a break, you can't relax, you can't travel. There's all, you can't have time off. There's always, everybody else is moving forward all the time. And if you don't, you're behind. Mm-hmm. And if you're behind, you're going to miss out mm-hmm. and you, you won't Fail. get, yeah, you'll fail. You won't get all these rewards. Like you must be on and going and pushing, and everyone's competing. It's very, very competitive, and this like in order to be the one who succeeds or not the one who doesn't get fired, that you've got to be overworking and overworking and showing how dedicated you are. I think that's that's. I mean, there there really is that in American culture versus other countries, which are there's a lot more balance going on. I mean, a lot more. Other than like, I'm thinking of like right in other countries where you have to like pass certain exams to be able to get, be able to like go on in school or. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, there's those pieces too, but but I think that cultural sense of how much time off should I have, when should I stop my work day, like like I'm in Australia, the start of, you know, sort of like middle of January here. Australia, like, it's less so now because Australian culture changes too. But, I mean, things pretty much shut down for, uh, you know, not fully, but just the culture slows down for a month. Hmm. And, like, not much is happening. Businessy, not much is going on. The People month of are January? Often, um, you know, from sort of, like, middle of December. So oh, maybe, you know, like that, summer that there. Time. Yeah, exactly. That that kind of period. Everyone really it's a, it's a lot of relaxing, and people have very long holidays. You know, it's not unusual mm. to to be gone yeah. for three weeks. You know, so there there, there certainly is a yes 
I, I thought right. it was significant. interesting. So, on, on this point, this I thought this was significant. As I mentioned, I did some burnout research. What I thought was interesting is um, most of the studies are European. Mm. Like they, I was reading like a review article, and it came up a couple of times um, that most of the studies especially the ones, you know, looking at kind of interventions and trying to change these things, were like majority, majority European. Like only mm. a couple of them were, were in the US. And it's interesting because psychology is such an American kind of, you know, that's why I went to America for it. It's an American thing. And you used to seeing this, is the majority of studies that will get referenced will be American studies, published mm. in American journals. Um, and these were like the review was an American review, I think, but it was basically they said whole bunch of European studies. They didn't comment on why there weren't American studies, but I think because the idea of telling people to work less, take care of themselves, lower pressure, cut put on all these boundaries, and that's kind of an anti-American mindset. Sure. Sort of, because on a on a you know, on a capitalism idea, right? The, the more somebody works, the more they're producing, the more value there is in the, the American economy or whatever. So saying work less and calm down and relax and go to the beach more, <laughs> you'll you'll be a happier person. Doesn't translate to more money and more production and et cetera, et cetera. Except for that, it does right like when you do yes about this before yeah the reality at, yes when <laughs> yeah. you look at like um rates of success right um all of this is like with resiliency and with um self-care pieces that like you need to have this rejuvenation to look like for a long-term approach to keep going because totally. yeah that you do yeah. it, it might be that like yes i need to work hard to make a lot of money and to keep going but um it's going to be a, the burning the candle at both ends right if i don't take breaks yeah which is it's interesting right because we we know that that's maybe the reality of it is you're more efficient and you can do the job longer and you can work better but the cultural ethos is counter to that sure and so, so you know because because i i think about those tech companies where they give them like unlimited vacation and, and all this stuff and people just don't use it you know like it's be, because of the underlying ethos will be what how are people going to look at me if i relax and take time off am i going to fall behind am i going to be the one who gets sure this is like my out, dissertation you know? that was um who are the ones that managers would would promote in using flex time and telecommuting uh -huh. would be um what was the term for it? Um, 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 oh, responsible workers. But responsible mm -hmm. workers meant like people who would never actually use those, right? They'd be like, so I'll grant that like these workers can use flex time and telecommuting, but those are the very workers who have like the least need for it, who would never actually take it. Um, mm -hmm. Those who like had families and um, needed mm -hmm. to use the flex time and telecommuting pieces were the ones that they thought like, oh, they're going to abuse this system. So they're yeah. Irresponsible, mm -hmm. irresponsible workers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is hard to convince people, um, but I love it. <laughs> I, those are some of my favorite clients to work with. Are like oh, it's the, trying to change those those mindsets those, like, and those type A. I, I I must maximize and be working at all times, and anything it. less than fully investing myself is gonna yeah. You know, I was I was talking to um to my friend the other day, and he's. He's, uh, he's, he, he, interestingly enough, is sort of you know, talking about some of this stuff, but he was, uh, he's a CEO of two companies, like two startups simultaneously, both of which are like very, very successful, but, you know, it's just very funny, but like, it's ridiculous. You should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. And he has like a two year old and et cetera. But, um, yeah, we were talking about the Yerkes Dodson graph. I love it. I yeah. talk about that like, yeah, that's great, right? Like, I'm, I'm not sure if you mentioned it on here before. Um, do, do you want to give us your 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 Yerkes Dodson spiel? Uh, so now we have like videos <laughs> we could show it, right? I wish I had a yeah. pen. 
Can you hear me? Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. This is, this is the beauty of, you can there? actually see us. No, we made a piece of paper. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have to also narrate for the podcast listeners. Okay, okay. So, um, so I, I have some, some good news and some bad news. The good news yeah. is I can still hear you. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. The bad news is that your uh, video has frozen. I'm frozen? Um, yeah. Hmm. Do you want to try turning your video off and then on again and see if that does anything? How do I do that? Wait, I don't want to end the call. Turn okay. off video. You're back. You're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So you back again. So, all right. I always do it as anxiety. I don't actually know what the. Yeah. Well, we're in, it's, it's like stress or demands or yeah. something. Um, um. So, oh, it's pencil. You can't see it that well. So yes, this is your curve, right? With the one axis being productivity. Yeah. The other yeah. one. Um, we can't really, can't really say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's your typical parabola here, it's the right? Um, and then we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. Low anxiety. If it's too low, like I often think of this, like for college students, right? My, I'm so low and I'm not anxious about this at all. I'm not going to study for this test. I'm not going to show up to class. Who cares? No big deal. So obviously my, oh, not productivity, performance. My performance is going to be low. Um, so low, low anxiety means you're not motivated, you put in no effort, yeah. you get low performance. Low anxiety yeah. leads to low performance. Okay. And then, but um, if you go over the parabola here, right, too high of anxiety is like I'm paralyzed, so much pressure. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to have some horrible catastrophe if I make even the simplest or slightest mistake. And so, um, again, so much anxiety, right, again, for you take like a college student piece. This is yeah. where you have like your test anxiety or um, it feels like there's so much pressure. I'm just not even going to turn in my work if it's not perfect. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. um, so again, too high of anxiety means low performance. And so what we're often looking for is we want some. Right? We want some of this middle yeah. ground. Little, what is something somewhere in the middle where we can optimize um, our, yeah. or our performance? Which, that we which, some which is this? Performance. Yeah kind of a counterintuitive idea, right, of, of my greatest performance doesn't come with putting the most pressure keep, on myself. Yes, just keep working harder, and I'm going to do it. Just keep working harder, and I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. Yeah, so, great. Whereas in a lot of cases, you can lower the pressure, lower the stress, lower the anxiety, and your performance will improve. Yes. Don't let the great be the enemy of the good. You know, yes. done is better than perfect. All of those cat mm -hmm. posters. And say all these pieces. Totally. That, <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of truth in them. <laughs> yeah, which, which, yeah, a lot of truth to it. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to remember why I brought this up. I think I was just, yeah, I, I think just oh, talking about that. Oh, for your CEO that, friend, you're talking about the Yeah, person. yeah, and just, just like the, the Yerkes Dodson graph is useful. Like he, you know, he hadn't come across that before. So he, he, he was of the mindset, like, I think a lot of people that we treat of it's just this linear line like this more pressure more more effort more strain leads to more and more results whereas um psychologically we we know that's not the case sure you and want even that think, optimal moderate level i think this is something that like in sports they get a little bit more too right that yeah. you need actually that downtime for your muscles to recover. Otherwise you're more likely to have an injury piece. Mm -hmm. So thinking about like, okay, we don't want to push it too hard, too fast because we yeah. don't want you to, you know, pull something or tear a muscle or something like that. So you're going to need to have that rest and recovery piece for yeah. your muscles to not get hurt. Um, so think but like, we also want you to not pull your brain. Yeah. That's the same same piece works for, for your brain as well. Yes, my best friend is um, used to be an investment banker and is now a physician um, because what? she's <laughs> slightly high-achieving high person there, okay. And she has, she's going to kill me. I don't, I don't think she listens to this podcast a ton, thankfully. Um, but uh, she has a ton of debt from um, medical school. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, okay, I'm just going, and she has three kids and a husband. And she's like, I am just going to work this for the next like three years. I'm just, you know, before I turn 40, this was a couple of years ago, I'm going to just work as hard as I can 
then we are going to be debt free and it's all going to be worth it. And she did it for about a year. And mm-hmm. I here I'm like holding my tongue because I'm like, OK, I'm not going <laughs> to like squash her dreams before she gets there. And about a year into it, she's like, I cannot do this. This is not sustainable. I hate my life. I'm getting sick all of the time. And, and medical people are very, very subject to burnout. Yes. And so yeah. she's like, I can't, I can't keep this up. And so, yeah, we, that is when, right, when she was more, had some more change talk um, from mm-hmm. like a motivational interviewing yeah. standpoint. <laughs> Then uh-huh. we, I, I was happy to engage her with this idea of like, yeah, a Yerkes Dodson curve or the idea that like, um, we do need to recharge our batteries. We are, we are not built to just go, 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 but yeah. they will, we will shut down. It's same sort of thing like sleep, right? Like maybe I could pull an all nighter to do, you know, to take a test the next day or to study. Um, but that is not sustainable, right? If I keep mm-hmm. that up, um, I'm much more likely to crash and burn. So thinking of totally. this as like an all or nothing standpoint yeah. gets me in trouble. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious as to why you think people struggle so much with the self-care piece when like, right, this is not brand like here is uh, this research I looked at. This is um, I got this off of a more recent talk, but oh. um, I think it was an ADAA talk, but this is. 1984, this piece, Freudenberger described burnout as a depletion or exhaustion of a person's mental and physical resources attributed to his or her prolonged yet unsuccessful striving toward unrealistic expectations internally or externally derived. And there has been, there is a lot of... That sounds great. That's that's a cool description. Yeah. And there's been a lot of research, as we were talking about, like in healthcare providers, there is a lot of research on psychologists, on graduate students. Yeah. Here's like a term. So, social workers. Yes. Psychiatric um, nurses, medical people. Yeah. Um, of like all the bad things that come with burnout. Uh, there was. Um, I'll find it in a minute. But so, why do you? I'm curious as to why you think it is that we know that this isn't good for us, but we have a hard time not engaging, you know, not changing our behaviors, not engaging more mm-hmm. self care. I, I see. This, this idea of self-care is yeah. nothing new, right? And we, yeah. as psychologists, as healthcare providers, I mean, this is kind of the paradox here that we are promoting this all day long for mm-hmm. our clients and patients. So why yeah. is it so hard for us to take our own advice? Hmm. So I, my, my theory would be, I don't know the actual answer. Okay. My theory would be, right, this is, this is helping professions, right? So mm-hmm. it's coming up out because there was helping profession folks are getting so burnt out. So the core of like wanting to go into helping professions is help others. focusing on other people and trying to help other people's needs, like, you know, versus some other job, you know, this is like directly other people are suffering. I want to help them. So I think it's this, I think that the, I think it's that external focus and like putting other people's needs first. Mm-hmm. That's a, that that'd be my theory. And so if you end up with, well, I have this caseload of all these people that like need my help, then I will take care of myself later once everyone else is cured and happy and fun. Which of course ne- never, never, know, never happens. Mm-hmm. People are human, and plus. The caseload is never, everyone's good. and it's, it's Everyone a, in yeah. the world, just hold still. Right, yeah. Um, so I, I, think, I think it's that other people come first before us. Um, and so we're not thinking about, oh, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? And I mean, also too, it's like you get very busy. And, you know, it's, it was occurring to me sort of as I've been thinking more about this. Um, People sometimes have, like, I, I saw a, a cartoon the other day of, um, it was a cartoon of, like, I think it was, like, like psychology school or psychiatry school or something, and it had the students sitting on the chair and the teacher, you know, coaching them, and the, the student was saying, mm-hmm, okay, go on, and the teacher was, like, correcting them, saying, no, 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 more emphasis mm-hmm okay go you know so it was this idea of like the the 
job itself was this you just sitting there occasionally like saying go on tell me more about that that it was this kind of low stress low effort uh kind of job um but my experience and i think kind of the way that it is is it requires such an intense focus of attention mm. like during during each session oh yes you know like you you can't be like i don't know if the computer work you can kind of drift off in your head and go yeah, I'm thinking about some topic and you're up on something. Uh, if you were doing psychotherapy, you need to be, you, you are yes. focused on the other person and you really, like you're really trying to engage it, which is an intense focus and it's pretty exhausting. Yeah. I remember but, that was the only time yeah. I didn't feel nauseous during my first trimester with uh, both my kids mm-hmm. was during, was when I was working because, yeah, my focus was so much on clients and not on my, yeah. like, feeling terrible totally yeah yeah and and i think like you know um like let's say you've got six sessions in a day that is six hours worth of full intense focus and like i've been doing some reading on like uh this is interesting book called deep work that's like cal newport but and i've come across this in other areas too like um talking to some of the book people um, that, that I'm working with for my book. Um, and they say you really only have a certain number of hours of intense mental energy. Mm. And so most people's jobs, they really only focus for a few hours. And then there's other than that, there's kind of these light, lighter tasks that don't require deep like filing. Deep <laughs> yeah, filing or doing like kind of, you know, administrative things or you know like more rudimentary things and i don't think i appreciated until i started doing this regularly full-time that that like six hours of intense concentration is probably too much Mm -hmm. that you know you really only have three or four hours maybe so to be doing it back to back just i think it's i think so I, that's partly answering your question of why it's sort of a mental health thing. I think there's we are outwardly focused on others. Um, yeah. And while we're helping, we're not paying attention to the fact that this is too much and it's asking too much of sure. yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's so interesting because I think so much of being personally, so much of being a therapist and especially doing anxiety work, right, or asking mm-hmm. people to do really uncomfortable difficult stuff and i want to model it you know i don't want to be a hypocrite i definitely want it to be i don't to be do as i say do as i not as i do Mm -hmm. it is interesting um then i feel like the self-care piece is a little different um yeah it doesn't feel as valued right in the same Mm -hmm. like you know i'm gonna help you through this exposure or, or i'm gonna um, I get it what you're going through. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on facing my own fears and pieces like that, that like that feel mm-hmm. um, like, yes, I'm telling them to do that. I need to, to do that too. It, I don't feel like there's the same, I'm going to be a hypocrite if I tell them to focus on self-care, but I don't do it for myself. I feel yeah. like I should be selfless in some yeah, way. Yeah, well, it's, it's culturally rewarded, right? Like mm-hmm. definitely within the helping professions, you should be selfless and you, you are, you're serving other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that American cultural work, the harder you work, the better of a person you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this, this, okay, I, I have a question because this, what this made me think of was in that millennials are the burnt out generation. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end, she's like, so what do we do about this? People will say self-care, and then she dismissed it. Like, basically, like, I don't have time to do self-care, and self-care is, like, going to going to a spa or something, and that's not going to cure the problem because the problem is an external... It's an external cultural... This, this is her argument, an external cultural problem. Therefore, self-care won't do anything. Um, what would be your response to that? Um, I mean, I don't. I think it's both. 
right? Like, yeah, I think there's definitely like a external piece, but I don't think it's something you have zero control over. Um, mm-hmm. Ah, no, I'm wishing I could find this piece. So <laughs> there's a lot of research on this with uh, graduate uh-huh. students in psychology. Uh-huh. Call it like the one. Find it. Find it. Personal factor crisis care. Ah. Graduate students, the impossible situation. They are told to practice good self-care, but do a great job on every assignment, turn them in on time, do research, see clients, make money, have a life. Um, so yes, there is this right like expectation. I so remember this, I think of all of academia, but especially in grad school, um, that you are supposed to do everything at like the highest level. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. But also like be a person. Oh yeah, if you wanna like you know, how you make this work, self-care, yeah, go take care of it yourself without having any um, ownership that, like, part of the expectation or the structure is the problem. So, yes, I definitely think that that is true. Um, And I work with a lot of uh, students in practice as well, where I'm a lot of what we talk about is, like, yes, academia is built by perfectionists to make more perfectionists. We are never going to say, like, take a break. Oh, you don't need to publish another article. It's going to be fine. Go have a nap. They are always going to be, you know, since it is so competitive, do more, do more, do more. It's a culture of anxious overachievers. Totally. And so, yes, I, I, I definitely agree that there is an onus for the culture to take responsibility for this and kind of do some looking inward. But I think then to say, like, oh, what am I going to do? I have no control over this situation. It's just like my environment. I, you know, throw my hands up. It's, you know, I'm going to have this um, kind of helplessness and hopelessness. Yeah. I think is also so, not all that accurate, right? There are probably things that you can do that's going to help. So, so externally, there probably are some changes that you can change that external kind of demand situation or setup. Well, I think, I mean, I don't, I, I think that, yes, what she's saying, that there is, mm-hmm. the onus is probably, right, on these bigger structures at play. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't agree that then, like, throw your hands up and I can't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. It. I mean, I think I, yeah, there's more yeah. there. I mean, I, I, I do, like, I think that, and I'm actually curious to sort of see what, like, what you think about like her casting of self-care was go like oh, yeah. something, something like go Billy. to the spa or like go to the beach for a week or something and that's going to take care of it. And I think like that might be part of the issue is that what's being called self-care is, I mean, it's sort of like maybe it's just, maybe it's pampering yourself or something, yeah. but that when we as psychologists are talking about self-care, we might be talking about something entirely different. Sure. It feels I- like more internal thing rather than go do an external thing yeah well and I definitely will talk with clients too or they're like oh I did this mindlessly go on the internet or something like that and I called it self-care but it wasn't rejuvenating Mm -hmm. right it didn't give me energy it didn't kind of like fill up my resources and again for that that um, definition of burnout being like a depletion of resources right Mm -hmm. like what the whole point of self-care is how am I filling up more resources? Yeah. Um, how, how am I getting, you know, and so I'm often talking to people about self-care being like, okay, let's talk about those Maslow's hierarchy of needs, some of those basic pieces, right? Like how's your sleep look? Uh, mm-hmm. How's your exercise look? How's your food going? How are your relationships right now? You know, how much work do you have on your plate? Kind of addressing those first. And then like, mm-hmm. then let's talk about what are some of the like, other pieces you know are you saying no enough are you doing enough of the things that make you feel kind of good and if a spa is part of that or vacation is part of that yeah. nice but that's not yeah that's a, that's a small piece of it right i mean yeah. like I, I think the within within burnout there's such an there's like there's that perfectionistic anxious um cognitive stuff going on mm-hmm. like the expectations are too high and being like a lot of that is internally driven so i think like self-care for burnout has to like it can't just be go to the beach for a few days it's yeah it's got to be an, there's got to be an internal shift right mm-hmm. of um because like you can do the same task um under a ton of threat and pressure or you can do the same task 
while while calm and low kind of low stress right it's it's like when you study you can study with um oh my god i can't fail this what if i fail this is i'm gonna drop out of school and i have this terrible thing oh my god oh my god oh my god and you're imagining you know catastrophic outcomes you're worrying you can study in that state or you can study in the state of where you just focus on the task and like stay relaxed and you can achieve arguably better results but you can achieve the same thing in one's a very stressed out state and one's not and i think of this as being self-care of like doing some of this internal work of like reducing the perfectionism reducing the self-criticism and attack sure i also i always think of using like smart goals um breaking Mm -hmm. things down into manageable chunks i think of that as self-care all the time right because if i'm going to that like all or nothing it has to be at this perfection state right it has to be mm-hmm. this greatness that i'm achieving and if i'm not it doesn't count um and as opposed to only looking at i've got to achieve this huge thing otherwise i'm a failure like that hey the way any big goal is accomplished is through manageable steps and so let's think about like focusing on on that one at a time like putting your mm-hmm. attention on that step i think of that as like self-care like giving yourself credit totally. for the steps that you're taking to get towards your goal, like that counts mm-hmm. as well. And so yeah. it's not this like perfectionistic, huge pressure filled piece that it's only the great, you know, the great or nothing. But like, hey, the good counts too. Like, yeah. Some how I'm evaluating my yeah. effort. I, I think that, honestly, I think that stuff, that's a big part of self-care because that's, you can modulate the amount of pressure that you put on yourself, you know, mm-hmm. that, that that sort of goes back to all the, the uh, ancient sort of Roman Greek philosophers about it's not just the situation that makes you stressed out. Sure. You know, it's your interpretation of it that we can do some of that internal stuff and look for where, especially, I think, especially for burnout, even within that, was it Freudenberger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even within that Freudenberger, um, there was something in there of perceived standards or like, like there, uh, there was a, there was an yeah, implied perfectionism driving toward unrealistic expectations internally go. or externally derived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So internally derived, unrealistic Where are my standards? expectations. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of ways in which we are overdoing that stuff. Like some, maybe with self criticism with some unrealistic expectations with all or nothing thinking yes. with focusing uh, on outcomes, not on process. Totally focusing on, yeah, not just having here's what I do and do it and I'll see you the outcome, but instead it, worrying this about, count about how the I outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then spending a lot of time up in your head worrying about all this stuff. This is all internal stuff. And working on that is very much self care. Mm-hmm. It's not pampering yourself, it's very much self care. Um, you, you will like this. So, one of the studies I came across was. Uh, self-compassion training to overcome burnout. Totally. I just see so many parallels in it, right? Like I Mm -hmm. think of part of self-compassion is self-kindness. And I think a self-kind, a kinder way towards yourself of achieving goals is breaking it down into manageable chunks. Like, yes, I I think there's a lot of overlap in self-care and and self-compassion. I did read this kind of frou-frou article about um, this woman who frame self-care as like self-love basically mm-hmm. like if you are you know we treat things that we respect and love with with care we don't like beat up on them we don't do all these stretch them past their limits and so mm-hmm. thinking of this as like ways of loving yourself is like setting that makes a lot of sense realistic standards and, and realistic so- goals so self-care wouldn't be like attacking and beating yourself up and like pushing yourself beyond the limits That's and, then going, and, and then going like to the beach for resources. two days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to attack you and really hurt you and traumatize you for six months and then give you two days. But then the we give you flowers. Post- yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Right. It's got to be. So I, I like that self-care, self-love of being loving and kind to yourself generally not like, well, my, I'm going to meditate five minutes a day and I should be good. Mm-hmm. That'll fill up my tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but if you if you're operating under a bunch of pressure, right, and these high standards, then with that comes a whole bunch of self criticism, 
and it's on you all the time. And yeah, self-compassion, I think, is the antidote you know, for, for self-criticism. And so I think like, it makes sense to me that like this study found, yeah, it was a six-week kind of training course, I think, um, into self-compassion, um, Kristen Neff style. Um, and yeah, and it, it, it had like really good outcomes. So I think this was even for maybe psychologists. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, but the, and within that Kristen Neff self-compassion is basically that meditation mindfulness idea as well. Yeah. So, okay. so they've definitely had some success with meditation, mindfulness, self-compassion. I've also seen um, some research that um, focusing on meaning and purpose, because mm. like, like this is work-related stuff, right? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? What's the point? Like, where is the, what, why does this matter to me? That, that kind of stuff. That, yeah. That helps reduce burnout too. Cause it's not, it's, it's kind of pumping up the positive as well as tr- trying to stop, you know, pull the negative back, but also like connect you again with why you want to do this, why this yeah. matters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think of it a lot, right? Like the, um, flying analogy of how can you take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself right put your mask on first before putting the yeah. oxygen mask on your kids remembers mm-hmm. with you that like totally it's hard to be a good clinician um if you're burnt out if you're not if there's no you it's hard for you to be yeah. there for others so that's also like a big argument i get i give for um people when they're like well why should i do this or why should i have better boundaries or why should i break things down into manageable chunks. Why should I work on being kinder to myself? Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is going to help you be a better you to be mm-hmm. able to help others. Yeah. Yeah. I love all this feel good. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it more and more. Pretty <laughs> partly your influence. Well, I even just, um, I mean, I love me some like CBT. I love it. You know, it works. But I also, I think I've had some really powerful experiences with clients recently, especially um, in doing a lot of this self-compassion work where they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm sort of like, I tell them all the CBT approach to stuff and then I like start to sneak in some of the self-compassion piece and they're sort of like, huh, I've never really thought of looking at it from this way before. Mm-hmm. Like, that's interesting. There, there's something there. And like being able to see some real change in how they feel about themselves and about how they're approaching things in their life um feels really good yeah Yeah, that relationship with yourself like being um a big right something that we overlook a lot but can get you in a lot of trouble when it comes to anxiety and depression totally i mean i've i've been doing personally a lot of self-compassion work and i it's really nice i really like it like I, you know, being being me, I've managed to uh, intertwine it into more like cognitive work. <laughs> but it like, you know, with the the Paul Gilbert angle, like it came out of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been I've been uh, doing where like I I catch all the the kind of threat system, um, cognitive stuff like all all the automatic thoughts, whatever is like negative or self-critical. Um, and then I do a, um, I'll get them all out. So, so it's kind of expressive writing. It's processed. Then I do the sort of that cognitive restructuring idea of going, going back and, um, trying to be more realistic about it since our emotional brains have no need to be realistic. Mm-hmm. I think being realistic and balanced and sort of reprocessing it, but I do it all within the self-compassion kind of model. Like I start out by expressing self-compassion as I'm talking to myself, mm-hmm. you know, like all, all, all the stuff like we talked about it in that podcast and we would do in our groups and things. I do that. Um, and then I do the whole cognitive restructuring process with, with that sort of the, the tone, the tone of self-compassion mm-hmm. and all the self-compassion language. And I really like it. Yeah. Oh, it's, I agree. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, I feel really good afterwards. I, I notice it has a nice impact on me, like the next day. 
Um, and I, I like it because it, <laughs> I've, yeah. I've managed to combine, uh, you know, I it's got the expressive writing and the cognitive restructuring and the self-compassion kind of into the one piece. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I think of just personally as like a maturing process. I think I definitely did a lot more of the all or nothing, like as a kid and as a, an adolescent and mm. like, oh my gosh, in high school, really bought into that all or nothing piece, especially with like preparing for college and taking AP mm. courses and a lot of this perfectionism piece and saw and in college how unhelpful it was that like mm. here I'm doing all of this work and trying to like do all the right things and I hate it and my life is not fun and I am not enjoying this and so really yeah. what's the point to, yeah take an approach like in my 20s of like okay yes I can you know working hard and um achieving a lot is something that I value but also I don't want to like hate it while I'm doing it so how can I start mm -hmm. to have some better balance and make this more of like a, a longevity thing and so I still I mean, I feel that way even like within the work, I only work three and a half days a week. Um, and maybe that will change when my kids get a little older. But I think when I added the second job of becoming a parent, I was like, this is not sustainable for me. What is something yeah. that's going to make this more sustainable? And so I'm better at both of these jobs as psychologist and as parent. But I need some balance. And then I also need like Friday afternoons. I don't work. I yeah. do something to have some, even if it's just like sitting in my house, like it's just something to have some downtime, something where mm -hmm. I'm not like responsible for other people. Yeah. Feels rejuvenating personally. Mm. Good. Less pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actively working on a doing, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You, you've been freezing a little bit, you picture. Yeah. You've been yeah. a little teeny bit too. Okay. Skype. I guess that's I guess that's just how we how it's gonna work. So we'll we'll practice lowering our performance standards down from perfection <laughs> from our yeah. usual level of perfection. Yes. Our production guy, values, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um any I guess any other stuff you wanted to kind of bring up or, or get to? I mean we've I feel like we've been um We've talked about kind of a lot of sort of psychologist ways of, you know, uh, trying to work on this. Is, is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, I mean, I think that gets at the gist of it, basically. This stuff works for more than just the healthcare professionals. I've done a ton of this work. I really yeah. actually love working with, like, um, like the MBA people at UT or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people who are – there are some very wealthy people in Austin who have come into our practice, right, with a lot of this, mm -hmm. like, perfectionistic stuff. So talking with, um, yeah, people in, like, business and who have a lot of this perfectionistic stuff I love talking about. Like, okay, let's think of, like, what's actually going to make this more sustainable in the long term. Let's think about, you know, what self-care, how that, that might be helpful, what that could actually mm -hmm. look like for you. I sort of love yeah. introducing that's some of my favorite populations to work with. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's you know I <laughs> it's kind of funny. This happens every time, but um, I think we spend so much time working in the fifty-minute therapy hour that there's a natural kind of arc, and I think we, we you have a feeling of like it feels like we're getting towards wrap-up time, and here we are at forty-nine minutes thirty-seven seconds. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're. <laughs> Our, our time is about our up. Our time is about up. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay, Let's go on. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get back to this next time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening yeah. and watching us. Um, as usual, if you have yeah. lots of comments. I mean, we have actually, to be fair, gotten. We have been getting some. Some We're more some. feedback from people, which is greatly appreciated. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always great to get those, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, questions or comments or ideas or topics you want us to talk mm -hmm. about, um, Marianne at anxietyaustin.com, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E at anxietyaustin.com. Okay. And Sounds good. And, and for, for, for me, 
I had a website, you know, at this hour getting built, which is thomasmithyman.com. I have a friend who makes websites, so he's, he's uh, in the process of making a website. Um, right. And I, I, I don't know if I ever, I've started this, I've started this YouTube channel. Did I tell what? you about this? No. Yeah. I haven't told anybody. It's like, like, a a, like, like my parents channel? know. Yeah. I've started this YouTube channel. Um, it's totally like, I haven't, you know, told people I've done any of that kind of stuff, but, um, it's, uh, if you're interested, it's, it's all social anxiety. So it's, it's like little kind of 15 video, 15 minute videos on social anxiety kind of treatment Very stuff. Cool. Yeah. So I've done a few in a row here. Um, How do we access that? So, um, like the address is something like capital A, X, Y, you know, it's like ridiculous stuff. Um, so what you do is you just look up my name. So if you look up Thomas Smithyman, PhD, then you'll, you'll find it and you will likely be the first viewer of any video that you come across. So <laughs> it's very fresh. Get in on the ground floor. Fresh, just out of the oven. So very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so go, if you're interested in, in yeah, some yeah. social anxiety stuff, go check that out. Sounds great. Well, yeah. And you, you should definitely, Marianne, go and go and check it out and be a, be my be a viewer or whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll okay. So thank, thanks for listening. And we were, yeah. we're, um, for this new year, we're planning to do a published podcast every month and put it out on the. What did we decide? It's coming Let's up on. Not- Oh, sorry. You need the pressure. I'm. I I need. Well, not pressure. Structure. (laughs) I need need the structure. Otherwise, I won't do anything. This is. Uh, you're trying to get moved over to here, and I'm trying to get moved back from here. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yes. So, how about we? How about we leave it with once a month? Once a month. That is our goal. Yes. So it'll be up there. Please, please subscribe to us, and then I think that they automatically tell you things. Okay. So yeah, and really watch us on YouTube if you want on I guess on that channel, um, yeah. and or yeah, keep listening to the podcast. Yeah, we'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye bye. I'm gonna.